today, before I jump into the, my, my message, um, I have the awesome privilege of uh, introducing you to someone. One of the great joys here at Cornerstone that I've had over the years is letting you hear from people who um, God is using in different areas of ministry, uh, in different places. Uh, we've had so many of our young adults go out and serve on mission trips, on mission assignments for short-term, long-term uh, all sorts of stuff um, in, in ministry. And Heath Snyder is with us today. He's one of our former youth. He just graduated college. He just got married. So uh, it's awesome. Uh, and he will be starting um, serving in campus ministry at Virginia Tech. So uh, he's going to share a little bit with you about that and tell you how you can pray for him, how you can get involved, how you can keep in touch with what he's doing there. So uh, Heath, come on up and you can share with us uh, a little bit about what God's doing. So y'all can welcome him. Let's like, okay. Thank you. Hello. Well, how's everybody doing? Good, good. It is the morning. Some people are still tired, but that's why we have coffee. Good stuff, right? Before I get into stuff and introduce myself, I want to tell you all this story really quickly. So this is a story about a guy named Hunter, and Hunter. He came to Raff University as a freshman right out of high school. And uh, when he got to college, you know, it was during this, this COVID pandemic season. So it definitely wasn't what college should look like. Um, but Hunter, he was wanting to make connections. He was wanting to find a friendship. He was wanting to get connected. And he was really wanting to just kind of find his purpose, discover who he was, and just kind of figure out what does life mean for me. But because of COVID, he couldn't really join anything. Um, all the frats were not open, which I think is a good thing. Um, but anyway, so he couldn't join anything. He couldn't really find anywhere to fit in. And these are his words he told to me. But he said, there were some obstacles that I faced that I could not find myself any strengths overcome by myself. And as he just kind of went through a first few months of college, he uh, kind of got depressed, kind of got sad. Um, but the crazy thing is, is Hunter's story is not a unique one. There are thousands of college students, if not hundreds of thousands of college students around the nation who have this same story and this same struggle, not even in a COVID pandemic season. It's the same thing. And so with all these students trying to find purpose in their life, the question is, how do we help? What do we do? So for those who don't know me, my name is Heath Snyder, like Mike mentioned. I've, I was in Cornerstone here at Youth uh, long ago. I don't know when, but uh, I kind of grew up here. Um, for those who kind of know my story a little bit and my testimony, uh, when I was 18 years old, I kind of answered a call to full-time ministry. And at this time, I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know what it looked like. I was just trying to seek and obey the Lord and stay in love with God. And through this period of time, I was also in community college, saved money. It was great. Recommend it. But, uh, um, and during this time, I also served here helping with the youth. I was working at Camp Dickinson as well, just also trying to mentor more youth. But it was clear that I had a passion to disciple and mentor others and help them lead the way and show them what it means to actually follow Jesus. And so this story, it stays the exact same on the college campus. 
you know, I got in as a junior, and there are freshmen who, as I joined in campus ministry, they needed guidance, and they needed to understand what it does it mean to actually follow Jesus. So when I got to Rafford, I met this guy who I had known for a while. His name was Ty Canaday. You may or may not know him, but he, he stomps around this area every now and then. Um, but he got me plugged into a ministry called Chi Alpha. And what Chi Alpha is, they specialize in going on secular college campuses and kind of planting and living life with students and showing them what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, not just to be what I'd like to call a menial Christian, right? Because there's much more to Christianity than just going to church, going to youth, and then saying, all right, that's cool, that's done. And so Chi Alpha is really small group focused, small group based, and it's really based on how can we live life together and how can we show people a relationship with Jesus, not just a bunch of rules to follow, because that's not an actual, that's not what Christianity looks like, and that's what we want them to know. And so I want to share some statistics with you all, just that are kind of eye-opening to me. But currently right now, it was done with the Pew Research Center. About last year, well, 2019, um, about 5% of all college students are being reached for Christ right now. Another statistic, which I also find eye-opening, is over 85% of all people die believing what they did in college, whatever that is. So for some people, if they missed the relationship with Jesus in college, that could be it. And so we really have no idea what that means. And so after being in Chi Alpha for a little bit and seeing all these needs and hearing all these, these, these facts and hearing how many people are desperate to find Jesus, um, I decided that the best course of action would, you know, and with, with discipleship and with mentoring as well, it came to my full attention that I want to do campus missions. And so I decided to apply for the um, campus missionary and training program at Virginia Tech, like Mike was mentioning. And through this position, I'll be taking this academic year not only to be a missionary, so I'll be meeting with students one-on-one, I'll be mentoring them, I'll be leading small groups, but I'll also be in training, uh, learning what it means to actually be a campus missionary, right? So I'm going to be taking all these classes, learning things like biblical literacy, um, there's a preaching lab I'll be in as well, just how to, how to speak, how to communicate, how to reach students better. And so the need is there. There are so many college students, and they need to hear Jesus, and they need to be shared the gospel. Because a lot of times, walking on a college campus, if all you know is John 3.16, you know more than about 90% of the students there, which is so sad. And, um, and so how you can get involved with helping me First of all, spiritual support is key, right? It's not a battle of flesh and blood. It's a spiritual one. And so if you want to be added to my prayer list, I'll be in the back after service. You can come be with me. I'll add you to that. You'll get a newsletter every month. Just kind of, I'll tell you what, what's happening, what's going on, what's changed, what hasn't changed, and what I need prayer for. Another way you can help is if you can give financially on a monthly basis. Um, through this monthly donation, you'll kind of be, I don't know, subscribing to me, if you've never heard of what it means to be a partner before, but you'll be giving on a monthly basis to help support the mission that I'm doing. And it's not just going to me, you'll be going to what the Lord is doing through me. And through this partnership, you're just as much as part as reaching these students as I am. It's very important, very crucial. I'm also in need, the ministry is in need of just one-time gifts and donation for the ministry so we can have enough money to, you know, just 
buy whatever the ministry needs. This also goes to helping send students to conferences and retreats that can't afford them. But the need is super great. And so, kind of, you heard me talking about Hunter earlier. I kind of want to share with you what he's doing now. And so, as Hunter was going through this rough spell, um, I challenged one of my life group guys, we challenged our dudes to go out and find somebody and invite them to small group. And so, that's what this guy named Tony did. He went out, he found Hunter, and invited him out to Chi Alpha. And so, of course, Hunter jumped on this train, and he started coming to small group. And I started mentoring him one-on-one every week and just kind of teaching him, um, here's what the Bible actually means. Here's the gospel message. Um, here's what it means to actually live for Jesus. And here's what it means to be a Christian. And um, it took a few months of this, and he came. But Hunter then surrendered his life to Jesus, came to know him. He was baptized. And now he's actually going through the leadership training course to be a small group leader himself for this next school year. And so... By joining my monthly support team, you can help students like Hunter because there's so many like him. It's an endless amount. And so if the Holy Spirit, if, if, you, if you're hearing what I'm saying and you're just kind of, kind of pulled to help in any way, um, like I said, I'll be in the back after the service. You can come talk to me. I'll tell you what it means to get involved, to partner with. And like I said, I need spiritual help, financial, financial help and support, anything, because the need is great. And so just imagine what would happen if students like Hunter, who become disciples of Jesus, then make disciples of Jesus, who continue to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. So that's all I have for you. So thank you for letting me come up here and say some words, and thank you for this time. So yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. So... um, some of you guys know a little bit about my story, but I went to Virginia Tech, and uh, what wasn't Chi Alpha, it's a different campus ministry, but that's really, I feel like, why I'm here today, um, because you go to a big campus like that, 25,000, I think more than that, and maybe now on campus, um, it's overwhelming if you come from a small town like this, and getting plugged into a campus ministry is really where I started getting into the Word, uh, started uh, started teaching uh, weekly Bible studies, led one thing to another that led me to where I'm at today. So uh, if you want to support Heath, I really encourage you to do it. As a church, we're supporting him as well, but I invite you to, to do the same. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about missions in general today. And we've kind of touched on it the last two weeks, um, but I felt like I, I was starting. I was going to start a new sermon series today, and I'm, we've got to, to stay here another week and really tie up some loose ends and really talk about why we're doing missions, why it's important, why uh, this is all important. Um, you know, at Cornerstone, we like to describe our strategy this way. Uh, at Cornerstone, disciples are made who are experiencing new life in Christ, who are equipped to follow Christ, and who are engaging our community and world for Christ. And so that threefold mission really uh, describes who we are. Uh, we want to see people saved. We want to see them discipled. And then we want to send them out and, 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 and to, to do more ministry and to do more mission work. And so our church is not just about the Sunday morning experience. I know a lot of churches kind of put all their eggs in that one basket and say, Sunday morning, that's going to be it, and that's where 
all of our focus, our emphasis on. We're kind of the opposite. And we want to do Sunday morning in, in a way that engages you and you're, you learn and you're equipped. But we don't want you to leave here each week saying, man, church was so awesome. I, I can't wait to come back next week just to, it, but, and, and forget about serving Jesus throughout the week. We want you to leave here saying, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go out into the world and tell people about Jesus. That's what church is about. It's not about the experience. It's not like attending a concert. It's not like going to something and, and getting pumped up and, and, and then forgetting about No, we want this to transform who you are at a, at, at a really foundational level. And so uh, we learned last week that our mission, um, or two weeks ago, we learned that our mission is the same as that of every other church, and it's found in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them, to teach them, and to do it in God's power. Um, but what I wanted to do today is look at what happened in the early church when they actually put this into practice. What happened as you see the, the early church grow from a small group of disciples into this incredible movement that turned the world upside down? Uh, we see a church that was full of people who were connected in everyday life around that mission. And we see them really change the world. Acts 1-8 is really the central verse for the book of Acts. And Acts is the story of the early church. Acts is what takes us from the time of the disciples that the gospel shared about into the time of the early church. It kind of connects everything in the New Testament. And so this one verse in the the New Testament really, I think, is is really kind of the, the, uh, the, the... the model, so to speak, of how we're to do mission work. And this is what Acts 1-8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love this verse because it's so simple yet so profound. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so the disciples were waiting on that power. They were waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. And then when they received that power, Jesus says, okay, you're going to start where you are. You're in Jerusalem waiting. So that's, the, that's your home base. That's where they met in the temple. That's where they worshiped. Judea was the next state. It was kind of their state in a sense, the area around the city of Jerusalem. Samaria was kind of the next state over, Right. It was, as we see in the Gospels, the, the people of Samaria were not well-liked. They were a different ethnicity, so they were outcasts. And so this is a different region. It's also a different ethnicity. This is like, I would say, go to the people who are different from you and, and, and don't be afraid about sharing the Gospel with them. And then uh, to the, the ends of the earth, obviously that means everywhere. You don't stop going. Um, And so you take the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. You pair it with Acts 1-8, and you have a pretty good model for a church on how we do mission work. It starts right where we are in Galax. Grayson County, the Twin County, Carroll County, this Twin County area, right, that's our Judea. Samaria is the state, Virginia, North Carolina, all around us and to the ends of the earth. Uh, is, you know, to the ends of the earth. That's why we do mission work in Nicaragua and India and and other places. And so that's really uh, what Jesus is telling us. You start where you are, and then you expand out. 
Now, last year I did a message and I shared this quote, and I want to share it again, and it just said this, three crucial decades in world history. That's all it took. In the years between A.D. 33 and 64, a new movement was born. In those 30 years, it got sufficient growth and credibility to become the largest religion this world has ever seen and to change the lives of hundreds of millions of people. It has spread into every corner of the globe and has more than 2 billion adherents. It has an incredible, it has an indelible impact on civilization, on culture, on education, on medicine, on freedom, and of of course, the lives of countless people worldwide. And the seedbed for all of this, the time when it took root, was in those three decades. It began with a dozen men and a handful of women, and then the Spirit came. That's the start of the Christian faith. And when Jesus ascended back into heaven, said, I'm going to leave you, wait here, the power's going to come, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and then you're going to have everything you need to carry out this mission I've left you. And I just want to remind us, right, um, that so much happened in those 30 short years. What would happen? What would happen if believers today got that serious and realized they had the same power working in them and through them today? If, if Jesus started with just a handful of people and it grew to that size, what would happen if God got hold of a church the size of Cornerstone and started just touching us and using us in such a way that we got serious about sharing Jesus in everyday life? I'm telling you, the impact would be incredible, be astronomical, It'd be beyond anything you could conceive or imagine. It's interesting, of course, that Luke wrote the book of, of, of Acts. But if you go back in Luke, in chapter 24, you see a, a, another passage that is a very similar to Acts 1.8. In verse 46, it says this. It said, It was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed and the authority of His name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And what is that message? That there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are all witnesses of these things. Uh, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And so again, very similar to what we just read in Acts 1-8, but now in Luke we see the same thing, this message that you can be forgiven of your sins if you repent. That's the message that the world needs to hear. Now, you know, I think sometimes we forget that people just need the gospel. That's really the most pressing need in our world today. Why do we do mission work? Is it to meet physical needs? Yes. But why do we meet physical needs? So we can meet spiritual needs. It's so we can share the gospel. It's so we can tell them that there's forgiveness of sins that can only be found in Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't send us on mission to tell people how religious we are or how cool our church is. He he sends us to people to tell them that they are sinners in need of a Savior. And, And we do that out of love. He doesn't send us on mission um, to, to, to hear about Cornerstone. He sends us on mission so people can hear about Jesus. And so, 
I just share all that because Jesus is the message that we need. The Bible says that we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus came on the cross. Because we needed rescue. Because we were unable to save ourselves. That's really the message of the Old Testament. That we cannot save ourselves. No matter how hard we try, we're going to mess up. And so the only way we can be saved from our sin is through someone that could live a perfect life. And that someone was Jesus. And so Jesus is the message that we all need. And so, you know, as a church, I'm just going to share. We have, from the very beginning, we've structured ourselves a little different from most churches. Um, From the very beginning, um, we have tithed, so to speak, as a church. We take at least 10%. Some years it's up to 12% of our budget and go straight to mission work um, as a church. Um, And so uh, since the beginning of the church, every year that's happened. This year, our missions budget at Cornerstone is $32,000. And let that sink in for a minute um, for a church our size to be putting that much money into mission work. And that funds local ministries. That funds ministries uh, that we partner with around the globe. uh, That funds outreach events. Um, All that comes from our missions budget. And then we don't stop there. Uh, We have our Engage Fund. And that's a a fund that we keep kind of stocked on the side. If we have an opportunity to do something and we haven't budgeted for it, it comes out of the Engage Fund. All right? And so at the beginning of this year, we added an extra almost $6,000 in the Engage Fund um, because it was running low. And we're like, okay, we need more. And we just dumped that into it. That's in addition to the Missions Fund. Why do I share that? It's because mission is at the heart of who we are at Cornerstone. It's not all about us. It's not about how big we can build this building and how much we can do. I love it when like, people like Heath come and share because you see what, the, what they've learned here is taking root and they're putting it into, into practice. It's not about Cornerstone. It's about Jesus. About wherever you're at, you're sharing Jesus and, and doing ministry. And, and so I, I just share that because we want you to be involved. And I want you to know that your generosity really does make a difference. We're not here at Cornerstone just to learn about mission work. I think a lot of churches, you're a little bit detached from what happens. You hear about a story or, or you hear, I mean, here, I, I mean, we can tell you where every dollar goes and how it's being used and, and the impact it's having. And, and we want you to know, we want you to be connected in, in that way. Um, and, and so we want you to really think about that. That, that, so I shared all of that. That's my introduction. So now I can start the message, okay? Don't you love it? Like when, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's like, you know, I get up here and like, okay, all that stuff. Now I can start. Okay. So how are we doing time? We're doing good. Okay. As you look at the early church, I'm fascinated by it. I'm really am because the early church, you just see, like I said, you start with this group of disciples who at one moment were scared, were running, uh, you know, denying Christ. And next thing you know, uh, in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, Peter, the one who just denied Jesus, is standing up and preaching. Thousands of people come forward, get saved, and the church just explodes. Complete change. Um, And it happened so fast. In Acts chapter 2, uh, we see kind of what happened in the aftermath of that. 
Um, and, and starting in verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. I'm going to stop right there. If you've ever wondered why our building is Center 242, it's that verse. That's our verse for our new outreach center, our new building. Uh, we devote ourselves to teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals and to prayer. That's what that building is all about. So in, uh, in my side note there. Verse 43, though, it keeps going. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions. They shared the money. With those in need, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, the thing that just stands out to me the most is it was so much more than just an hour a week. All right, this, uh, their faith invaded every single aspect of their life. It wasn't just about the large group meeting uh, in the temple, right? What you saw with them is they met there, but then they met in their homes. They had meals. Every single day, they were doing life together. And, and if you skip forward a little bit to Acts chapter 4, and this is kind of the, verse, the passage I want to focus on, you see how it keeps going. It says, verse 32, All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. It kind of brings me to my first point this morning, is unity is really what we need. Unity is the only way to be effective in our mission. This is so critical for us to understand as a church. It says all the believers were united in heart and mind. Uh, and so Acts gives us this account of the early church and the spread. Uh, it kind of gives us the first page in the history of the church. And this is what precipitated all of that. This is what set it off. They were united. They weren't sitting around arguing all the time. No, they had the same vision, the same mission, the same strategy. And they were working together to advance the gospel. And God's blessing was upon them. And if you look at some of the other uh, early churches, right, uh, like Corinth, you see how they were uh, fighting with each other. But this account, where they started, this was unity. This was harmony. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think about that. And then I think about the church today, the big C church, the American church. And I would say uh, I see more division in the church today than I ever have in my lifetime. And uh, we've just come through a really contentious time with the election, uh, with the pandemic. And instead of people gathering around around the mission of Christ, what I've seen is people kind of turning against each other. And I hear it from almost every pastor that I talk to. There's an article someone sent me this week, and it was why so many pastors are leaving the ministry. And it was kind of subtitled, The Difficulty of Maintaining Unity. And I'll just share a little uh, clip from it. It said, a pandemic is difficult for any group of people to undergo, but it is magnified 
when those attempting to persevere are polarized as a people. Pastors are accustomed to navigating differing opinions. At times, these conflicts center around theological discussions and biblical interpretation. These conflicts are less draining, however, than arguing about non-essentials. One pastor shared his exhaustion and said this, I've certainly felt like quitting on multiple occasions. I wear down and get tired of hearing the same complaints that come from people's preferences rather than theological or church issues. Some people have demanded more attention than usual, and when they do not get it, they resorted to manipulative behavior to to get us to do things their way. This is exhausting. And the reason I share that is because that's the same story I'm hearing from pastor after pastor, that they are exhausted because people are not staying united around the mission of the church. And if we want to be effective in doing what God has called us to do, right, we've got to be united around Jesus. That's why we exist. And we're not, and hear me on this, the central tenet of our faith is Jesus. It's not politics. It's not your opinion about vaccinations. It's not conspiracy theories. It's not what you believe about masks. It's Jesus. All those other things are secondary issues. <laughs> Amen. And so if we want to be effective in our mission, we've got to be about Jesus. Now, here's what I believe. If we get centered around Jesus, all those other things will fall into place. I really do believe that. But our mission has got to be around Jesus. When any of those other things become our primary focus, we have lost our way. And that's what I'm seeing in the American church today. That people, we have lost our way. It's become about all these secondary issues and people have forgotten it's about Jesus. And so I just want to share that if we want to be of one heart and one mind, it means we want to see people come to Jesus. And and are we okay with that? Are we good with that? Are you with me, right? Because that's what God has called us to do. And so uh, all that other stuff, It's fine to have opinions about it. It's fine to have convictions about it. But it's not why we exist as a church. And so we just got to keep coming back to it's all about Jesus. And then when we get to that in place, it brings us to our second point. When we're united in mission, we can share and we can work together. That's what really, once we get that at our central point of our faith and we say, okay, I understand our focus is on Jesus. I make no apologies about that. Then we can say, okay, Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's get to work. Let's make something happen here. In verse 32, it says they felt that what they owned was not their own. They shared everything they had. They just they, they got to this point where they, they had so much compassion about the other believers around them. They're like, we're going to take care of each other and we're going to do the work together. And we're going to make sure that no one has any need. And so this is not just a statement about cooperation. This is a statement about love. This is saying, okay, it's not just mine. I'm going to share what I have. I'm going to steward what I have for the sake of the other people around me. And so when you are united around a common mission, it's not about putting yourself first. It's understanding that you can be generous. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your resources, the stuff you own, right? Uh, You can be generous with your spiritual gifts. You can be generous with your money. You can be generous with your knowledge. Um, 
And, and so when you start using all of those things that God has blessed you with, and you start saying it's not about me and me getting ahead, it's not about meeting all of my needs, but it's instead, it's about how I can bless others, how I can build the kingdom, then you start getting a, a good understanding of how the early church functioned. Because uh, their generosity extended beyond spiritual matters and met all types of needs. Um, I, and I'll, I'll just share this as a little bit of a side note. Typically, I think when you hear this passage, it's coming from a place of you need to give more money. You need to give more money. It's not just about money. It's about giving yourself. And I would say from working as a church who is very involved in the, the community, often people's greatest need is not money. It's love and compassion and connection. It's what they need more. They just don't need someone to give them a $20 bill or a $50 bill. They need someone to come along beside them and actually listen to them and help them and walk with them, take them to a doctor's appointment, take them to a meeting, say, no, this is the form you need to fill out. This is how they need someone that can walk with them. I'm telling you, in this community, we have an incredible mental health crisis. There's so much need. And it means that we need people who care enough to come along beside people and walk with them through their crisis and pain. Money does not solve everything. That's, I mean, to me, that's what this verse is all about. It's not just your money. It's about giving of yourself. I'm telling you, it's easier to give money. <laughs> money can be your cop-out sometimes. Here's money, and I don't have to deal with it. Uh, so we need to give of ourselves. So that leads me to my third and, and final point is generosity is really the fuel uh, for, that powers our mission. It's the fuel. I mean, if you want to be effective in ministries, yes, it takes unity. It takes people working together. But the generosity of time and energy and effort and gifts and money and resources, that's what fuels mission and propels it forward. I'm so thankful that we're in a church that I would call an incredibly generous church. That's part of who we are. That we're just going to be a radically generous church in what we do. It says in verse 33, you know, the apostles, they testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them. God's great blessing was upon them. They were bold. They were bold about what they did. Now, I share all this just to say I, that's why missions is important to us. But we cannot do it without the Holy Spirit empowering us. It's not about us. It's about God working through us. And I just want to share, you know, going back to Acts 1.8, we kind of skip over that first part that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the key. And how do you know if you have the power of the Holy Spirit working within you? Well, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comes upon all believers when we are saved. Right? And so 1 Corinthians 12 says, By one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Ephesians 1 says, Having believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Romans 8 9 says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Him. So when you put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, you receive the same power that, 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 that enabled the, the early church to do incredible things for the kingdom of God. That same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. 
We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry about what everybody's going to think about us. We can just start serving. We can understand God has called each and every one of us to be missionaries, and He has. Each and every one, I mean, we talked about that in the first week of this series. It's not like being a missionary, some super spiritual, advanced level that most people never reach. God has called every one of us to be missionaries where we are. And to the communities, into the workplaces, into the schools, into your home. He's called you to be a missionary and share Jesus wherever you're at. And so today... I just want to kind of commission you as the, the church. We're getting ready to do a big event tonight. Why are we doing it? It's about Jesus. Yes, we want to love on these kids. We want them to have a good time. We will be crazy. We will be silly. We'll be tired at the end of the week. Um, but it's all about Jesus. It's all about caring enough about these kids to say, hey, you know, do you go to church anywhere? What do you believe about Jesus? Just to build conversations with them and let the Holy Spirit guide you and see where it takes you. I'm just, if you've never experienced that, I just want to tell you how much fun it is. I just want to tell you how much fun it is just to let the Holy Spirit guide you as you talk and share with people. I'm going to close and pray. We're going to sing. And I just want to, just like I said, commission us and ask God's blessing on the, the, the ministry efforts of this church. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for Jesus. It's, it's why we meet. It's why we exist. And it's, it, we know that for us to be effective, we've got to, to just keep coming back to, to Jesus. And so right now, we ask your prayers upon this church. We ask for your power to rest upon this church. We ask that you would just bless our efforts in reaching this community with the love of Christ, with the gospel of Christ. Help empower us. Give us the words we need to say. Help us not to be ashamed. Help us not to be afraid. Help us to be bold in what we do. Lord, help us to, to not grow weary in doing what is good, not to grow discouraged when there's conflict and people complaining, and, but help us just get centered around the mission you have given us to never give up, to keep proclaiming Jesus until Jesus comes back again. So tonight, as we start praising in the park, we ask for your blessing upon it. We pray that children would come to know Jesus. With the craziness of this past year and a half, we... We don't know how the turnout will be. We don't know how many kids will come. But whoever is there, we pray that they will be the ones that you know need to be there. And so give us love. Give us compassion. Give us patience. And Heavenly Father, we pray for safety as well. Just help us to, to, to keep safe and healthy and uh, as we continue to proclaim your message. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the generosity of the people here at Cornerstone who have given so sacrificially year after year and enabled us to keep doing what you've called us to do. I'm so thankful that even throughout a pandemic, we didn't have to slow down. We actually expanded our mission work. That's so, I'm just so blown away and thankful for that. So Heavenly Father, we just praise you. We just lift up the name of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we close, as always, this is your chance just to, to thank God. And that's really what worship is. It's, it's expressing thanks to God for who He is, for what He has done. 
And so you can worship right where you are. You can go and pray at the cross. Uh, you can give. Right? You can give. You can give by, uh, we've got offering boxes by either door. Uh, you can give online. Uh, you can give to just our church in general. You can give to our Engage Fund. If you say, I want to be part of this mission work, you can give to, and support Heath. I encourage you to do that and the work he's doing at Virginia Tech. Uh, but you have so many ways to get involved. Um, and so lastly, if you don't know Jesus, this is your opportunity. Don't leave here without putting your faith and trust in Jesus. I would love to talk to you. But let's stand up as we close today.